Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We continue, as Larry said, this series on breakthrough. I don't know how you walked in the room today, how you tuned in today, but I think all of us have faced enough things in life. We see, I can't get around it. I can't get over it, so I gotta get through it. Last week, we talked about fear, and we talked about how we all need a breakthrough in life and fear, and I think what we're gonna talk about today, we all, at some point in life, will face as well. So I want you to do me a favor. Go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter eight. Uh, if you've got the North Star app, it is by far and away the easiest way to follow along. You've got the, if you go to North Star Church, Georgia, you can go to the notes section, all the passages in there, and you can fill in the blanks and email it to yourself, and it, it is super helpful. Today we're gonna talk about, as Larry said, the topic of loneliness. It's weird, because we're the most connected society that's ever existed, but yet we are the most disconnected the world's ever seen. We're connected digitally, but we're not connected emotionally. It's a weird deal. I remember my daughter when she was growing up, middle school age, she invited a friend over for a spend the night. So this friend came over, spent the night. They were sitting at the bar, the little bar area on Saturday morning eating breakfast, and they're both texting other people. It was bizarre. I'm like, why are you talk to each other? Well, they're not talking. They're texting other people. Why? Because that's what kids do, and that's what, that's what society says. And yet we've built this isolation that we've never experienced before. It's funny, around the 16th century, the word, the phrase loneliness really began to register, and it really stood for an outer wilderness. People were segregated physically from society, and they were considered lonely. And in the 17th century, they would bring them back into the city but now it's not an external place, it's an internal place, isn't it? Loneliness is an internal place that we go to that we can be in a room full of people and feel lonely. You could go to work and sit in a cube and, and know everybody around you and be lonely. You can sit across from your spouse and live in a world of loneliness. It's, it's just the world that we live in, and it's not new. It's not something that's just happened. In fact, it's been around since the beginning of time, and if you haven't been there, listen, you can be there. Don't go there, but you can go there. I want you to a little thought there right at the top of your outline today. Loneliness is when you feel like no one else walks in your shoes, understands your pain, or senses your struggles. It's the state of sadness that comes from feeling alone, isolated, or cut off from others. It could have started with COVID, it could have turned into a job, it could be something with your children, it could be something in your marriage, it could be an addiction, it could be a million different things that started the process, but it's whatever drove you to make you feel like nobody else gets it Nobody walks in my shoes. Therefore, I can't say anything about it because I'll be all by myself. In fact, it's, as one writer said, we go from building bridges to building walls, right? And we build this wall up and we go, nobody can get in my wall. I'm the only one here. And we can be in a massive crowd of people and feel so 
alone. Here's the great thing. You don't have to stay there. So if you got your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, would you stand with me today as we honor the Lord by the reading of his word together? And we'll, we'll, if at any point I'm saying something you're not reading, seeing on the screen, just we're going to talk about it. All right, here we go. Luke 8 verse 40. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. So let's pause there. Why were they waiting for him? Well, when you need healing and you heard the guys giving sight to the blind and helping the lame walk, you'll get out of bed and go check him out, right? I mean, this is a big deal. Jesus is rolling through town and the crowd has arrived and they're waiting on him to get off the boat. Words hit. Verse 41 tells us one of the people in the crowd. Then a man named Jairus a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was how old? How old was she? 12 years old, was dying. So it's interesting. Time out. In this massive throng of people, a leader in the local synagogue was so desperate he fell to his knees and told Jesus, I gotta have you. Now, it's interesting because number one, a man should never fall to their knees, let alone a religious man like this, but he was out of options, he was out of hope. But what is interesting is, we know his name. His name was Jairus. And you're like, Mike, how do you know that's how we pronounce it? He's not here to tell us, all right? And so we're gonna go with it. He is there and he is desperate. He got there early to get Jesus when he got off the boat. Maybe, maybe Jairus had been there since 3 a.m. Maybe Jairus worked his way through the crowd. Listen, when it's for your kids, you'll do desperate stuff. Can we agree on that? You'll do desperate stuff. I've seen parents at Christmas waiting on toys at Toys R Us back in the day that would beat people up over a scooter. All right, and so people do crazy stuff for their kids. Jairus is desperate. His daughter's 12. Now, here's the interesting part. We know his name. We know the problem. Luke, the physician, the writer, contrasts two people. Jairus, who everybody knows, and a woman nobody knows. In fact, this woman we're gonna talk about this morning is nameless. Let's keep reading the story. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by crowds. So get the picture now. I've, I know what it's, it, we haven't been around crowds. Don't you look forward to going to a Braves game when it's crowded again? Don't you look forward to people bumping into you and trying to get in your, I mean, I look forward to that day again. That's what this crowd was like. So Jesus heads with Jairus to his house and the crowd sucks in around him. Pick up the story. And a woman, verse 43, in the crowd she had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Nameless woman, not Jairus, we knew his name, not a leader in the community, an outcast of the community that we're gonna talk about. She had had a struggle for how many years? 12. Jairus' daughter was 12. She had had a struggle for 12 years with constant bleeding. And here's, 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 the, here's the part, though, that drove her there. 
and she could find no cure. Everybody look at me. As long as they think there can be a cure, we have hope. But when you find there is no cure, you feel hope what? And hopeless causes desperation, doesn't it? When you feel like you've lost hope, you get desperate. This lady has lived in the shadows for 12 years. And finally, she gets in the crowd, nameless, gets in the crowd. And look at what happens, verse 44. Coming up behind Jesus as he went to Jairus' house to heal his daughter, she touched the fringe of his robe, not the robe, but tassels that hung off Rabbi's robes. She grabbed one of those tassels, and immediately the bleeding that she'd experienced for 12 years, it stopped. And Jesus asked the question of all questions in verse 45. Who, what's that word? Say it again. Who what? Now who bumped into me? Who pushed me? Who touched me? Everyone denied it. No, I, I didn't do it. Peter who evidently felt like he was Jesus' handler of the day, Peter says, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. I mean, Jesus, seriously? I mean, you have been pushed, pulled, prodded, poked, and you ask the question, who touched you? Seriously? And look at what Jesus' response was. Somebody, this is, man, I love this phrase. Somebody deliberately touched me. Somebody desperately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. Now, yes or no question. Has the woman been physically healed? Yes or no? Yes. The minute she touched Jesus, the bleeding stopped. That's all she needed, right? She lived in hiding. She's gonna go back to hiding. When the woman realized, verse 47, that she could not stay, this is the morning, this is loneliness, when the woman realized she could not stay, what's that word? She was gonna go back to hiding. I can promise you that. And when she realized she couldn't stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. Look at what it says next. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. She had no intention of telling that story. Her intention was, be healed, go home. But Jesus knew as much as there needed to be physical healing, there needed to be emotional healing too. And look at what he says next. He says, daughter, it's that intimate term of a father to a child, my daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Or it could be said, go into peace. You have been healed physically and you've been healed emotionally. And that's what we need this morning. Would you just right where you are, ask the Lord to speak to you, would you? Say, God, speak to me today. Show me where I need healing in my own life where I need a breakthrough.
God, speak to us. Walk in this room this morning. And Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. How do we get there? How do we, how do we get to this place where we feel like nobody gets us? How does that happen? How does it happen? We don't have to be there, but we end up there. Number one, ready? It nine out of 10 times begins with a hurt. It begins with a hurt. It may be a physical hurt. It may be an emotional hurt. It may be a social wound. It may be a religious wound. People get hurt in church sometimes and they're like, eh, I'm out. And I'm not, I'm not doing the church thing anymore. Um, it could be something with your child. It could be something with your job. It could be something with your career in sports. I deal with that a lot with athletes. But there is a hurt that happens. And when that wound happens, it hurts us internally. So this lady, look at the story. Pretty powerful story. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She could find no cure. She had a physical issue, right? Bleeding for 12 years. It's a physical issue. But there was another piece to this. There was an emotional piece. Do you know that when this happened back in the day, you, you've heard of lepers? You couldn't touch a leper. You couldn't be near lepers. This lady, every commentator and scholar thinks, had probably not been touched in 12 years with a physical touch. I think at the end of all this COVID stuff, the wounds that have been left with that in our society we'll be dealing with for years. People that have sat in hospital rooms alone, grandmas and grandpas that have been in nursing homes that family can't get in to hug them and touch them. This lady had not been touched in 12 years. So not only has she got an ailment, right? This issue she's dealing with has segmented her from society and there's a spiritual hurt in this. She couldn't even go to the synagogue. You couldn't worship. So here's what's in your brain. Nobody wants you, including the Lord. Nobody gets you. Nobody understands you. Stay hidden because at least when I'm hidden, nobody else can hurt me. Isn't that what loneliness tells you? If I stay hidden, nobody else can hurt me. Well, nobody's gonna get me. Nobody else walks in my shoes. So even walking in a room, how many of y'all have ever walked into church on Sunday morning and in your brain you're like, I bet everybody here's got it together. How many of y'all have thought that before? Raise your hand, All right? Little do you know, right? So let's just, let's just make sure we're good. If you're watching online, you can participate with us. Is anybody in the room living a perfect life? If you are, we need to ask you to leave, all right? Because you're screwing it up, right, for the rest of us. How many of y'all would say, man, my life's not perfect? Raise your hand. But in our brains, we're all alone. Nobody else is going through what I'm going through. Nobody else is facing what I'm facing. Nobody else is journeying the way that I'm journeying. And it all begins with a hurt. But look at the second part. That hurt causes hiding. Here's where we can't do anything about the hurt. 
that, that, I, that I can't handle. Because sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's life. But the hiding is where the hurt begins to dive deep on us. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden. I want you to write the word disconnected. She had disconnected. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, disconnected. It may be an addiction. It may be a pain. And here's the fear. If I ever tell anybody, they'll never understand. Nobody will ever understand. I know my husband and I look perfect, but things aren't perfect. Our children aren't perfect. My job isn't what I thought it would be. My kids are going through blah. Listen, and we go in hiding and we, I want you to write this little thought down, ready? We own all our pain. We own it and we hide. And we can live in it for years. Years. Because it started with a day and it turned into a week and it turned into a month and it turned into years. And we've been hiding. Nobody will get me. Nobody will understand me. I want you to write this little thought down. We're going to move on to number three. There can never be healing while we remain in hiding. There can't be. There can never be healing while we remain in hiding. I know, looking in at your life, I know you're not the only one going through it. But until we come out of hiding, we think we're the only one going through it, whatever it is. This lady went to Jesus that day because the doctors could find no cure. And he was her last resort. Now, pure conjecture on my part, I think all she thought she deserved was maybe physical healing and she was gonna go back in the shadows. And Jesus wouldn't let her. Why? Because you can't heal if you stay in hiding. She could have been physically healed and still hidden away, but she found healing. I want you to write out beside that, real healing. She found it. Physically, she was healed, and emotionally, she was healed. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him. She reached out to Jesus, and she revealed her hurt to others. It's the universal pathway out of hiding. She reached out to Jesus. And she told her story to others. The reality is, if we can't trust Jesus with it, who can we trust? Well, Mike, I'm mad at God, and I don't want to tell him. All right, can I let y'all in a little secret? He already knows, right? I mean, you may be mad at him. He already knows. He can handle it. So how do we... Keep ourselves from getting there. Today, I've got a great couple 
that's going to share their story with you. So would y'all give a hand to Dr. Ryan and Candy Dyers? They come up this morning. Come on up, guys. These are two <clears throat> very special friends. I want to count them almost family in a lot of ways. And they, uh, they've been a part of North Star for a while now. So Ryan, introduce your precious wife and your family to us a little bit. So uh, this is my wife of 13 years, Candy here. Um, and then I have uh, our, our two kiddos who are, who are just our whole world. Uh, awesome kids. Ava Bray is 10 and Bryce is seven. They're over here. So whole world is, I mean, sports and all that stuff. We're, I'm blessed beyond belief for sure. You guys live very busy lives. You're the athletic director and assistant principal at North Paulding High School. Candy teaches elementary in Paulding. But yeah, a lot of things got added to your plate here in the past year and a half, two years. Share a little of that story, Ryan, what y'all walked through. Yeah, so when our, our son was uh, born, you know, we knew we were going to have to uh, to travel around the, you know, wherever we had to go, we were going. You know, we were going to look for the best doctors and uh, and do what we, whatever we had to do financially. And, um, you know, over the, a year and a half, he had five different different surgeries. And uh, that was our, our dream. You know, we, we wanted those surgeries. Those were a dream come true. Uh, but to say it was easy, it was, it was very hard. Candy, as a mom, nurturer, what was it like to walk through that journey? It was really hard. I mean, he had a surgery every three months. Um, just not being able to fix everything, not having all the answers, um, not just being able to, you know, solve everything. Just life was hard. Just going on with everyday life when this was, you know, all we were thinking about. Ryan, you're a fixer, right? You're watching your child walk through this, but not only is she walk, he's walking through it, your bride's walking through it. What was it like as a husband to watch Candy struggle through that? I think that was the, the part where, I think the, one of the toughest days in your life was when you realize, man, she knows I'm not perfect and I'm a, I'm a you know, I mess up a lot. And it, when your kids realize that, hey, my dad has really not got it all together, that's a tough day. And to just not be able to put my finger on it, to not just be able to, to close the door and figure it out. There's so many things about this surgeries, this experience, this walk that we've had. I'm, I'm not going to ever be able to sit down and explain because I didn't do it. He did. So you guys have been a part of Norster how long now? Oh, 12 or 13 years old. So this is a big deal because earlier when they first got up this morning, how long you've been married? Ryan said 13 years. Candy said 14. I thought, we're off to a really good start. All right, and so we're going to do counseling on the stage. And who was right? Candy, who was right? It feels like 14 Okay, years. there we go. That's the, that's a, <clears throat> but you guys made an intentional step years ago to get connected in groups. Men's group, couples group. Why did you make that step years ago? Why, what drew you to do that? Well, the reason I love North Star Church, and you're okay too, you know, but <laughs> the reason I love this place is because 
you, you find out about people by how we serve. You know, you always see people serving. You always see people, they don't tell you where they go to church. You know it. And I think that drew me to just want to be closer. You know, I had people who have encouraged me over the years, but I'm real good at giving advice, but not so hot at, you know, being uncomfortable with, with that. It was hard, but people drew me to it. So as you guys went through this journey, was there a party that said, everybody's got enough on their plate. I don't want to bother people with this. I'm just going to, we're going to weather this storm with our family, with my parents, our parents, by ourselves. Was there a part of you that said that during it? Yes, I would definitely say so. I think that everyone tries to do things on their own. You know, it's easier. Like you don't know what, how are we going to explain this to people? We don't even really know what we're going to do. We don't know what doctors, just so many unanswered questions. And of course we tried to do that, but um, luckily our people would not let us do that. So. So the surgeries begin and you hit a low spot. I think as every parent can hit at points. Tell us about that low spot, Ryan. Well, we got four surgeries in and, and things were going really good. Not not easy, but my son is like, a, he's a little warrior. I mean, he's tough as nails if you know him. And uh, my daughter is just unbelievable. And my wife and, you know, things were, were going. We knew our finish line. Like, this is where we're going to be. This is where God's leading us. Man, we're all in. This is it's not easy, but we're going to get there. And then the fifth surgery happens in Charlottesville, Virginia. That's why we're Virginia fans now. Um, and we're on the operating table, Bryce is. And, and you know, we're, we're nervous, but we're excited. This is it, man. This is the finish line. We got what we've always dreamed of. And the doctor comes in. Um, you know, this is December before COVID and says, he's got a cough. We're not going to do the surgery today. You're, we can't do this. You're going home. So I, I just remember sitting there saying, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. And so I kind of do the godly thing, do the man thing, try to suck it up for a minute, go to the restroom, and then my, my phone starts dinging. I'm just trying to figure out how am I going to get myself to the parking lot a little long back to Ackworth. And it's my small group. How's it going? Just text. And that started a thread, and that picked me up. I was able to dust myself up off and go back in there and, and try to be the man that I want my son and my daughter and my wife to remember me of being. So I think it would be easy to say, well, I've got faith. That's enough. Why was having Jesus with skin on people around you what you needed? What would y'all say? Love to hear from you guys. Well, I still remember back before all this started and after a service coming down we always like to come down and talk to Mike afterwards and it was one of our lowest points and I remember him looking at me and just saying you know just think of the testimony Bryce will have and the story he's going to have when all this is done you know at when you you know when all this is over and just think of how wonderful that's going to be and Gosh, we weren't thinking like that, you know, but it did encourage me, you know, we need to talk about this. We need to, you know, open up to others. What, when I said that to Candy, what was going, you've said it, you've already owned it. What was going through your brain? Well, Mike, Mike Lynch is one of my best friends in the world, man. And, you know, when she, I heard him say it, I didn't believe it. I didn't want to hear that. You <laughs> that's know, you, nice. That's he, nice. He's a pastor. You know, he, you got to say those things to people. You know, that's what, that's what my mindset was. 
And, you know, I look at her and, and, and how strong she was and, and just how she carried our house. You know, I put on the face. She carried our house. She still does. And to look back and see that kid over there and, and, and just how he inspires other people, I, I can't explain how we're sitting here. What would have happened if you never said anything? What would, where would you be if you'd gone, you know what? <clears throat> we're not going to tell anybody at work. We're not going to tell anybody at church. We're going to walk this journey alone. What would be different? Oh, that, that's an easy question. Thank you. That's, uh, there is no story without these people. There is no story without, you know, Stephen Conrad in our small group driving us to Virginia and back. Philip Page saying he's praying for our son every day. You know, Dennis Jordan being there for us every day. All, I can name all our small group people. This story's dead. There is no story. This is not helping anybody else without those people. What would y'all say to somebody today that says, man, I'm just gonna go it alone. What encouragement would you give them? It's so hard to put words on what, what those people mean to me. You know, I think when life gets tough, and you know it will, you know it's coming. Um, you're either going in a storm or you're in one, you know, or coming out of one. When everybody else is walking out of your life, they are walking in and they're walking in with a smile. And I, I, I don't have the words. Well, we've got two of the heroes of the story here today, Averbray and Bryce. Would y'all come on up real quick? Would y'all welcome them up to our North Star stage this morning? <clears throat> These guys are troopers. They've been here since 7.30. I think Ryan and Candy owe them somewhere really nice for lunch today. <laughs> really nice. Well, I want y'all to know, I want you guys to know, you've got an amazing mom and dad. This picture is from last summer when they were both baptized. And man, I, I look at this, and this is the story still being told. I'm proud of you guys that you didn't walk it alone. Would y'all join me today and thank the Dyer family for sharing their story with us. You guys are the best. Thank y'all. I want you to look at that last blank on your outline. This is something that lady discovered that day. In that moment, she was fully known, fully loved. She would have never experienced the full knowledge of who Jesus was till she came out of hiding. And that's my prayer for you today. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Boy, maybe you're in here and you say, Mike, I have never met Jesus. Boy, I need to today. Can I introduce you to him? Because he's the one that knows everything about you. And he loves you. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. Maybe you know the Lord 
man, that lonely word hits you like a ton of bricks. And you'll sit in a room on a Sunday, you'll tune in on a Sunday, but you've never tried that option of finding out you're not alone. But today's that day. Sign up for a group to get connected with other people. Father, my prayer for our people today is this, that we'll reach out for you and we'll find when we tell our story, we're not alone. I love how the great Max Lucado said it. Let God love you. Let God heal you. Let God hold you and let God have you. Today, may we let God. Today, may we make the step that we'll never walk in this room again, we'll never tune in online again and not know another soul. God, connect our hearts today with our willingness to take the step out. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.